We see the world's 22 billion interconnected electronic devices, all broadcasting the same message simultaneously. Phones, computers, televisions, enormous billboards amidst bustling metropolises, and gas station pump screens in the middle of nowhere. The disembodied voice is carried over smart home hubs and fitness watches and car speakers across the globe. There are corners where this message does not reach, but precious few people. Our perspective shifts, the material world fades into the background, and a vast achromatic expanse emerges. We see these billions of devices connected by an angular web of incalculable scope and scale. Narrow threads of hard blue light weave between each point, connecting them all in a vast network. And far above, a writhing mass of darkness quivers. We pan across the countless threads of this web, tracing the source of the message back to its origin point. Staring out from this liminal space into mundane earth, we see the washed-out face of Jorgen Eklund, grinning, as he becomes the most influential broadcaster in human history. And in homes and offices and streets around the world, we see people beginning to believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Monster Hour. I am Quinn, your keeper of monster and mysteries. With me today are Tio. Away, hello there. I'm Tio, and I play Constance, the expert. Hannah. Season's greetings, whatever season you're listening to this. I'm Hannah, and I play JR the Crooked. And Kyle. Happy Halloween! <laughs> I'm Kyle, I play Alvin the Monstrous. Ooh, 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 ooh. I'm I'm ninety nine percent sure this episode is not coming out on Halloween. <laughs> It'll be like pretty Quinn. close though. Quinn, yeah, it's I, in the I season. I like it. I like it. It's I think good. it's at least an October episode. It's probably October. Look, Halloween we'll is a feeling. It is not a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you judge by like all the stores around the Alderwood Mall, it is already Halloween. <laughs> that is well, very it's already true. Christmas in some places. It's uh, already Christmas at Costco, yeah. but everywhere else is Halloween. <laughs> Augie's broadcast ends, and the screen is replaced with the Imagine Labs logo. You flip to a different station, and it's the same image. Every channel. You also quickly realize that both the internet and cell network are down. No connection whatsoever. (laughs) Woof, woof. That's a bummer. What do we do without the internet? I guess we're gonna have to do research. I guess we're gonna die. Oh boy! I guess we'll just die. I guess we'll just die. Guess I'll die. (laughs) That's the end of the podcast. Thanks, folks. Yeah, and the device that you're listening on cuts out, and then the show ends. (laughs) Cuts out. We go. I I, I know that it's just because we're trying to like sort out where we're at, but the timing of that pause really made me laugh. It's like (laughs) we've had like other worlds presented to us. We've had all these things happen where we figured out the next thing to say, but the idea that the internet is out and now all of us are just like, well, mm, I don't know. (laughs) Amidst this this long extended pause and Alvin's brief woof, I think Galvan (laughs) jumps up onto a chair and and claps her hands a couple times and is like... This hasn't changed anything. If anything, it's only accelerated the timeline. We need to get to work. Any preparations you need to make before we breach the sphere? Do it. 
Alvin is sitting and licking a still gaping wound on his hindquarters. <laughs> All right, buddy. I'm going to try and heal you. Okay. All right. What is everyone's harm at right now? Oh, I'm at three. I'm at three. Two. I will say it is likely that Constance's preparation specifically will take at least the rest of this day. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you all are going to heal two harm with the uh, combination of rest, infirmary, and Ooh. assistance from Cecilia and Pax. Oh, very nice. We got the infirmary. Right. Okay. So I feel considerably okay, better. Nice. Very nice. You know, those will manifest, you know, next morning, but uh, feel free to mark them now. Sure. Okay. Uh, if you would like further healing, please help yourself. I am okay with myself, but Alvin, do you want some more healing or or no? Constance is fully healed up. She's Constance is all good. Oh man, I don't even remember the last time I had no harm. Yeah, same. This Never you can please. see by like what boxes have been erased the most. The first <laughs> box has just apparently had an X in it forever. Uh, it's pretty much boxes like four and five that have been marked and erased and marked and erased. Yeah. Do you just have like mats of fur that just have dried blood in them and you can't remember which ones are actual wounds and which one are just old? Yeah, that probably. I feel like I, I assume clean Alvin's up. taken a bath at some point. since the hollow circus, so I think I took a shower then. <laughs> I assume there's off-screen time where you all sort of take showers and, and wash the blood out. Well, I try, but the bath here is always booked. Yeah, the bathroom I, yeah, is the always full here. The bathroom here is always booked up. That's true. There is a schedule. Mm-hmm. I could probably go for one. I mean, your healing is pretty solid, so I could go for one because a box for me is really like mm -hmm. three boxes. Okay. All right, Quinn, I would like to use some magic. Give me a roll plus weird. little pep in his step. It's a 13. On a oh, 12 plus baby. advanced, I will offer you an added benefit. I would also like to heal one harm of myself. <laughs> sure. Why not? Yay! You know, we don't need to make this complicated. Let's make it easy. Let's keep it tight. JR, you heal Alvin and you feel that healing energy bounce back. There's a little like nice reverberation and you also heal one harm. Nice. JR, you heal Alvin, and uh, I think we see the, the scene fade away a little bit as everyone begins their preparations for the assault on the Paracosm. Constance, your task is both simple and incredibly complex and difficult. You need to create a physical vessel to take the place of the disc, the physical component of the last seal that was shattered. What does this look like? You know, art sometimes leaps out of the bounds that you define for it. So what I will say is that it's actually two pieces that come together to be the seal, but can be separated. They're two bookends. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I think Constance started out kind of thinking about this really strategically rather than emotionally, because right now she's in this kind of to-do mode almost of like, these are the things that we need to do to set the world straight. She wasn't quite in an artistic headspace or creative headspace. And so originally she was thinking essentially something that could double as a paperweight, thinking the vessel needs to be small, it needs to be inconspicuous, easy to transport, all of these kind of uh, logistical things. 
And then Constance wanted some privacy. And obviously, there is no privacy currently in the studio. So I think she took a bunch of her easels, surrounded herself in them, and then threw a blanket over it. So she's essentially created a pillow fort. You've made, yeah, you've uh, made a blanket fort. <laughs> she's made a blanket fort. And she, she put a sign on the outside, like children do, that says, like, keep out. And told everyone, like, I am not to be disturbed under any circumstances for the next so-and-so amount of time. And I think, you know, some members of the Daylight Society were tasked with like placing like a little plate of food and water outside the opening flap of the pillow fort or blanket fort. Sorry, blanket fort. We're going to be clear. Pillow and blanket Blanket fort. fort. Yeah, there's a pillow inside. She's sitting on a pillow. It's really a hybrid fort. You have to have for a pillow fort a necessary ingredient for a pillow fort is a blanket to put over the top. That's true. I think there's a safe assumption that you have some kind of covering over the top. Otherwise, you've just built like a pillow palisade. I guess essentially it's an easel fort with blankets and pillows. But you know what? We'll let we'll let the history books <laughs> figure out an official name for this this place. Oh, uh, we've renamed the Discord the History Books. Yes, the di- yeah the History Books. There you go, Discord. Discord. You have a job. <laughs> well, this is going to be a legendary space that will be told about, like how the forging and creation of this vessel oh, no, happened. Constance. It's a lot of pressure. Yes, at the moment that Constance realizes this, it's crippling. But um, <laughs> anyway, she's sitting in there and she's originally oh, thinking very strategically and she starts kind of making something. And as she starts to make what was supposed to look almost identical to a crate and barrel paperweight, starts to transform and she realizes what she really wants to make are bookends because everything that led us to this point, to unearthing kind of the history and the magic behind the seal, even just the discussion that we had with Dorian and with others about like, who gets to decide (laughs) what kind of world we're building, it made her recognize that she would not be where she is at if it were not for the lore library that her boonie left her. The fact that like, Throughout her family's history, they've written down all these magical beings and creatures and monsters and everything else that's happened and been able to pass that down. And that information has been part of what's kept everyone alive. She kind of sees the process they're about to go through as part of that. So Mm -hmm. bookends seem very fitting to her. Constance, I think you're working on these bookends. And, you know, I, I, I'm i not sure you really have a good sense of time inside of your blanket and pillow fort. Nope. But I think from the outside after several hours, there's kind of like a, a pressure on one of the blankets as if someone was knocking, but no sound comes out. So this person says, knock, knock, Constance? Uh, I, I've asked not to be disturbed. A lot of important work is happening here. Yeah, of, of course. No. Um, panic, panic. We have some food, though. Oh, you have the... The pita and hummus? Then I very (laughs) shyly opened the the little like opening flap. Outside with a plate of pita and hummus, as requested, (laughs) is Brie. Oh, hey, I I didn't realize they put you on on this duty, (laughs) on this job. Everyone agreed that might be the best person to see how you're doing. Yeah, um, things are progressing, um... Would you actually, could I get another pair of eyes on this? Of course. Thank you. I feel like I've been staring at it forever. You know how that goes, losing all meaning. (laughs) I'd be happy to, Constance. And she steps inside. What does Bree see when she steps inside? 
(laughs) (laughs) Okay, so first of all, I think she sees random garbage everywhere. So there's like just a lot of crushed up LaCroix cans in the corner. It looks like I've been squatting in here for much longer than I've actually been here. (laughs) Debris everywhere. And then what essentially looks like a couple of versions of very nice paperweights and even some like drink coasters thrown into a corner, pieces of paper crumpled up with sketches on them and also thrown into the same corner. That corner is like clearly the bad corner. Don't look at that corner. But then in front of Constance, there is a sketch pad with like a really detailed drawing of these two bookends. And the left-hand bookend looks almost like a beautiful piece of woodworking like you would see on a grandfather clock, like really miniature, beautiful little worlds. Like it looks like a castle and there are some like magical elements and there's even like a dragon wrapped around one of the towers. And it just looks like something out of a fairy book like you would see on a grandfather clock front. And then on the right-hand bookend, you see what looks like firmament. Like you see the outline of the skyline of firmament. You see the gondola. It feels very, to the average viewer, it would look like any small town. But if you've lived in firmament your whole life, you immediately recognize that it is indeed firmament. And the two pieces come together and you see that the end points of the buildings connect when you put the two bookends together Mm. to create essentially a clean line across. So you start out in the magical space and slowly pan over into what is firmament. And then in front of Constance is essentially a very large piece of like sculpting clay that is starting to kind of resemble the bookends, (laughs) but doesn't really look like them yet. It's like when someone takes an art class and they're trying to copy the teacher, but they're not there yet. And I think Constance immediately like turns to Brie and says, I mean, I I just started. It's a work in progress. And and it's very literal. It's literally the magical realm and firmament and you put them together and that's your seal. I know it's it's very basic. It's just, I don't... And then she just kind of steps away and opens up a space for Brie to sit down if she wanted to in front of the sculpture. I think Brie doesn't step in front of the sculpture. I think she picks up the sketchbook and looks at it. And she looks at you and and smiles and says, I mean, it's literal, sure. But it's you, isn't it? You and your boonie. For a moment sleek, modern, stylish and she smiles at you a little bit and the fairy tales of the past all too relevant yeah, I didn't even realize that's what I was making the hardest part's the idea, Constance if you've got that the rest is easy and now she does go take a seat at the sculpture and she motions for you to join her I do let's get to work Constance, give me a roll, 2d6, plus the stat you feel most epitomizes your artistic style. (laughs) Your choice. Ooh. I think it's got to be weird, even though weird (laughs) is actually a pretty low stat for me. It's tough, isn't it? No, it's definitely not tough. If I could, I'd have it be sharp, but I think it's weird. Oh, come on. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Oh no. <laughs> That's a two. 
Because I rolled double one. Jesus My fucking uh, Christ. Plus a one weird, so that's a three. <laughs> Doofa. Huh. Can it just be an ugly bookend, like one of those shitty ashtrays that you make for your parents <laughs> and you take upon and your parents are like, number one, we don't uh, smoke, and number two, this looks like shit. Uh, uh, so. But you know, it's effective. Eh? Oh. Eh? <laughs> Oh, wait, it's such a beautiful idea. Oh, my God. If there were ever a point where I'd be tempted to redo a roll and cheat, it would be this. But I recognize that's not the kind of story we have. You could doom yourself again. Yeah, <laughs> I could. You could. No. Right before our final arc. I mean, it's your choice. Well, if the consequence is that we don't get the vessel, then You will that's get the vessel either way. The question is mm. how useful it is to you. Well... Hmm. Uh, all right i'm not gonna use the luck point if it's still gonna work as a vessel i'll take the hit to my artistic integrity and and not (laughs) use not use a luck point constance it is not that this art is not good it's amazing it looks fantastic and i think you know that it is capable of containing the magic of the seal it will serve as a physical vessel the consequence here is that, how do I put this? It's blunt. It is not as nuanced as some of your other work. On a miss, choose one tag to epitomize your artistic style. So like a weapon tag, choose one descriptor for this piece. From a list or just I can just say a word? I will let you say whatever you want. An adjective is a good <laughs> like start. But yeah, basically any single word to describe your artistic style. Recursive. Derivative. Somber. Um, Simple. Aggressive. Intricate. What is your intricate bookend? What do your intricate bookends look like? Well, like with a lot of parts of Constance's life, sometimes she gets ahead of herself. You know, the sketch is beautiful and very detailed, but it lacks a certain sense of focus. And so the bookends are really, really detailed, like very intricate. From afar, you wouldn't really be able to tell all of this little work that went into it. But if you look at them up close, like on both bookends, it's a very detailed little world. The castle on the magical bookend you can see the texture on the actual stones of the castle. There's like grading and shading of where a ivy is growing on the side of one of the turrets. Like you feel like you're in this little world. And on the firmament side, it's so intricate that it almost serves as a timestamp of when it was created. You have like places that may not exist in the future with their signage the way it is today these two bookends are like being transported to two different places similar to how Constance felt like going to otherwhere and just like that feeling of being transported to another realm so they can butt up right next to each other and live in harmony next to each other but they're so very different it's many many hours later when you and Bree have finished this and Bree looks at you and, and smiles is, is this made of clay what's the material here I think Constance was thinking of making it out of clay, and Brie was the one who looked at the sketch and said, no, this is wood. You're, you're looking to make this out of wood. These are wood bookends. And so the final product is like a wood carving. So she's looking at you and she, she smiles. She's got, you know, little scrapes and, and splinters and little 
bits of blood, I think, from all of this woodwork and like raw bits um, where using the tools have worn away at her hands. And she she smiles at you and says, so you still think we'll have to uh, break into the gallery to get him to show this one at the end? (laughs) If we do, then uh, we haven't done our jobs well. I guess we'll have to make sure we do them right then. Thank you for um, for seeing what this piece was really meant to be. I don't think I would have gotten here without you. Of course, Constance. Like I always told you back in class, it's an honor to work with you. Constance starts getting very teary-eyed and then says, Boy, I could really use some hummus right now, right? <laughs> and like puts a piece of hummus in her mouth, just like scoops it with one of the chips because she's just like doesn't know how to handle that kind of statement from someone she looks up to as much as Brie. <laughs> I think Bree smiles, walks over and pops uh, pita and hummus into her mouth and gives you a pat on the shoulder and then exits the blanket fort so you can just have a moment with the thing that you made. JR. Yes. You want to do some reconnaissance of the area outside of the studio before uh, you make your... Yes. Yes. Is anyone going with you? Lamond and I will go out and see what's going on out there. Just, okay. You know. When you're close, you can use Lamond. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Pax to everyone else, but Lamond. Of yeah. course. Lamond to their friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, it is, I think, late afternoon when the two of you sort of gear up and head out. Stepping through the front door, I assume, despite its ease of access, no one is using the breached wall, the rear wall. No, that's just rude. We're like trying to <laughs> respect that this is a safe space. And I mean that like literally we put up a production spell. So it's important to respect those things. So yes, we go out the door. <laughs> okay. The two of you exit out and the scene before you is Constance's street. All too familiar. The sort of industrial section of town in the distance, you can see very clearly the enormous sphere in the place of where CNL was its surface swirling and effervescing with these brilliant wild patterns. It is like the trippiest soap bubble is what you're telling me. A hundred percent, yes. Cool. Okay. Um, so I don't see anybody, like there's nobody there's no No, there's no one in the immediate area. So I guess my question is, what are you looking for and where are you going? Where is the where's the police station? I don't really want to walk near the police station. It is near City Hall. Okay, so the opposite direction. Well, we know the people are coming across the bridge. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I kind of like to maybe just go walking in the direction of the prospect or the visitor's bureau. I don't want to go very far, but I just kind of want to see what's going on without going in the direction of the lab. Sure. So you start off towards the prospector. I think it's quiet. Like, I don't know that you've, in your time here, JR, seen firmament in this state. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been any sort of official guidance, probably because all of the officials are at CNL, but people seem to just be like hunkered down. Okay. As you pass by houses, you see some people sort of hold up inside. I think maybe you see one or two people like out talking to neighbors, but there's very little like there's like no cars on the road, like pretty much nothing in this part of town. Okay. As you're walking, I think Pax is is sort of 
you can see they're trying to focus on their surroundings and make sure that you know they've got their eyes out, but you, you get the sense they can't help themselves and they say, okay, so based on what Dorian said, we seem to be in a, a good spot, but we're missing some key components. We have will of a human, strength of a beast, pact of a wishbringer. What about the trickster? What about the spirit? Okay, well, the spirit, that's Constance's boonie, which you saw Constance do the thing. Right, that yes, was, okay. Yep, that was a fun adventure. Although, I guess the one thing is that at some point, Constance is gonna either fuck up her mother's tattoo or fuck up her own tattoo or both because the tattoo is like the thing. It's the magic button. It's whatever. It's the connection. I don't want to say that's a Constance okay. problem, but like that's not something that I can particularly help with unless Constance wants me to fuck up her mother. But this seems like a kind of like a familial interpersonal thing. And I think Constance is going to like- Yeah, it's best not to get involved. Right. She's working out some stuff. It's not just about the spell. There's some stuff there that, um, you know, it'll be cathartic for everyone involved, I think, assuming we all live. So that's the spirit. And then the guile of the trickster. <sighs> I don't know, man. That one's a thinker. I've been having to do a lot of thinking, and my head hurts, so I'm also open to suggestions. What was the symbol on the piece of the disc that you have? It's like a, an eye, but it's got a big old swirly thing, like where the pupil would be. Does that strike Their a- face oh. lights up. Okay, all right. JR, that's, that's the Kyle of the Trickster. That's We could use that. Oh, Okay, so then I think we've got- We had uh, it all along. <laughs> we had the power within us the whole time. Oh, don't get corny speaking. on me now, okay? Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> well- They flash you a grin. That's everything. I mean, we got all the ingredients. Well, we need 12 people. There are eight at the studio and four within the sphere. Yep. If, if they are still- Yep. That's mm-hmm. 12, but that's a- Little margin for error, JR. I'm aware. I don't know who else we'd be able to pull into the circle of trust at this late deadline. Everyone in the cabal is obviously on Augie's side, although it's entirely possible that maybe one of them is thinking that this is super fucked up and they kind of weren't in on the... the, They were in on it in theory, but in practice, this is terrible and bad and Augie should be stopped. But... I don't think we can bank on that. If we run into one of them, maybe we can make a pitch, but okay, I don't know. And I'm sure as hell not seeing anybody, you know, just kind of walking around. Uh... Well, I guess we'll have to keep everyone safe then. Yeah. JR, as you say that, oh, no. you see a group of people. Oh, no. There are five people okay. walking down the center of the street uh-huh. towards you. Okay, uh, time to pull a JR Classic and run. <laughs> Just the sight of five people down the street? <laughs> well, they're marching down fair, the middle I mean, of the street. Hey, fair enough. Quinn, I think we can probably guess what this is if we're just walking down the middle of the street. Hey, if you want to run, that's totally fine. I do want to run. I do want to run okay. and like glance over my shoulder as I'm running away, but I am running and I'm yeah. I'm doing some ducking and weaving. Like I'm going in at Ollie's so like they can't figure out like where I'm going. I'm doing some sure. parkour. At this distance, I don't think you have any problem escaping. I think 
you look over your shoulder as you are doing so, uh-huh. and you can see it looks like all five of them have something on their face. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Time to go. And you and Pax take off running back to the studio. <sighs> Alvin, Constance has made a blanket and pillow fort, and she goes in there and doesn't emerge. JR and Pax pretty quickly decide to go for a little uh, reconnaissance mission, and so they also disappear. And around you, the rest of the studio is a hum of activity. Jasper and Stan are standing in the makeshift remnants of the workshop, like trading weapons and, and tinkering and working on things. Galvan is showing Kristen and Jenny how to aim and shoot some of the extra sidearms that she has provided, and at the same time, they are also kind of going through Constance's armory, outfitting all of the the various weapons, which leaves you. Mm-hmm. And in the corner, staring out with an inscrutable look on his face, Dorian. I think for those first couple hours, there are a number of instances where a big coyote snoop is kind of sniffing around where it gets in the way and he's just very large. And so he's constantly kind of like checking out somebody or like with one group of people just kind of like sniffing and trying to kind of be involved. But people are be like, oh, no, no, Alvin, it's OK. We got we got this. You're just there's too much fur. It's not great. There's a couple times a snoot pokes into the blanket fort and gets kind of like politely pushed back out. <laughs> and yeah, that leaves Alvin just kind of like sitting a little ways away as best he can in this kind of busy space, tail kind of slowly wagging. And then he notices Dorian in the corner and just kind of like gives a little cockhead look. I think Dorian side eyes you and then walks over and stands next to you. It's hard to feel out of place, isn't it, Guardian? In in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, it's I mean, I never knew I could feel magical energy of this potency. It's wild. Things are chaotic right now. I've never really fit it. And he starts kind of monologuing to himself a little bit, as you do in your brain. It's just like back in college. I don't know. I never really fit in in the first place. I was always kind of big. But now I'm very big. I can't seem to get small again. I told you when we first met that I understood the burden you carried. You could... You could hear... Did you hear everything that was going on in my head? <laughs> he smiles. This whole time? Oh, God. <clears throat> <laughs> you forget you're not the only guardian here. We have a bond, whether you would like to admit it or not. You used to be a guardian yourself? The first guardians were the ones that made the seals. And for just a moment, Alvin, you see a fire behind his eyes. And immediately, you remember the scene of the sealing. The Mm -hmm. dervish of sand and fire, and at the center, a faceless man. Can't imagine living with this hunger as long as you have. You do what you can and what you have to to survive, as I'm sure you have understood in your short time. Tried to learn quick. You've been waiting a long time for a lot of things. This is true. Got any tips on patience? Alvin's foot is kind of tapping. The fire will always be hot. Strike when the anvil's ready. Do you think it will abate? If everything goes according to plan. My sister is also like me. I know. Are there many? 
precious few. Is it genetic? You know, these are all those questions I had earlier where you were like, ooh, I don't know, you're special. Despite my reputation, I told you the truth before. The beasts of legend, they hid themselves amongst the humans, took human shape and human life. And yes, their blood runs through your veins. Enough that in the presence of a seal, especially one that is weakened such as this one, their true nature would emerge. I suppose you're right. You've always been straight with me in your own way. That doesn't mean you're forgiven for what you did to us, but we all survive, I suppose. The discussion of the requirements of the seal, strength of the beast, what's involved in that giving? Your strength. So I just do like like 100 push-ups? He, he laughs. And he cocks a half smile. The essence of what makes you magical, Guardian. Your strength. I hope for all of our sakes that you have enough. Yeah, me too. And his countenance changes slightly. You know, he's been facing ahead, kind of just looking at you out of the, the side of his, his face. And I think he actually turns to face you and says... And myself as well. Doing such a thing twice. You are not the only one punching above their weight, Guardian. I know we did a, a summoning spell, etc., etc., to get you here, but in a way I wanted to thank you for giving us a chance. I don't know if you particularly believe in us, but when we get in there, we find our friends. Just leave Leon alone. I will. I'm going to pace a little bit, if you don't mind. Of course. And Alvin steps up and in what space he can find, which maybe is at the back alley plus the open back part of the of the studio. And just so it's kind of like pacing in a stretched oval, trying very hard not to think about Leon. Dorian stands up and as you're walking away, turns around and says, we all have to take a chance if we want things to change. Hey folks, Quinn here. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode 60 of Monster Hour. And if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, happy spooky season! The real monsters that we weren't able to line up are season finale to come out on Halloween, but we've still got two spine-chilling episodes to keep your hairs on end this month. As always, I want to thank everyone for helping spread the word about the show by leaving us a rating and review, giving us a shout on social media, and recommending the show to a friend. It really does mean so much to us as we head into the home stretch here. I also want to give a big shout out to our latest Patreon supporters, Phoebe, Elliot, and Daniel, as well as to Sky and Samuel, who recently bumped up their pledges. If you want to support us while enjoying awesome bonus content, like my GM and mystery notes from Arc 7, the Cold War clash between the Daylight Society and Cabal, you can head over to patreon.com slash monster hour or follow the link in the show notes. Our spooky spotlight this week is Redgate and Wolf, a Monster of the Week actual play starring a sassy thief and a Scottish werewolf, aka J.R. and Alvin's twins from an alternate reality. Is this thing on? Can't you see the red light? God, how bad are your eyes? I can see the red light, but no one said to talk. Hi, I am Marie Redgate, and um, this is... Angus McRae. 
And we uh, fight monsters, because those are real. The boogeyman that you fear, they're real. That thing under your bed is also real. But we're here to fight them. Kick their ass, but, you know, that's close enough. Do you even literally think we should be doing this? I mean, who would believe a couple of uh, monster hunters from a little town called Hendricks, which we're stuck in, thanks to you? Thanks to me. I would have been gone a long time ago if I still had a car. But I guess you shouldn't have drove it off a bridge. We interrupt this bickering to inform you that we are Redgate and Wolf, an actual play Monster of the Week podcast. Wait, wait, wait. Why? Why is it Redgate and Wolf? Should not be Wolf and Redgate. I do all the work, and as she talked about kicking ass, I do that. You wouldn't be able to go anywhere to kick ass if I didn't drive you there. Drive me. You drive me crazy. Find us on your favorite podcast app now. That's all I've got for you this week, folks. We will be back with episode 61 of Monster Hour on October 26th. See you then. After a long day of preparations, you and the Daylight Society have a fitful night's sleep. I think given the events, no one sleeps particularly well, but you do realize the two harm healing that comes to fruition. And the next morning, I think everyone is ready for the assault on the paracosm. In the best around. La 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 la. If you have any final preparations, if you want to give a big heroic speech, now is the time. Dorian stands up and starts clapping, but no one else understands. I think Constance claps even if she doesn't get it. Good show. I think uh, JR no longer has any quote unquote good suits. So I think she's put on the one that has the least amount of damage to it. <laughs> I do like to imagine that probably in the overnight, Jer was doing a little bit of quick repair on one of her suits, you know, sewn up some of the some of the places where it's ripped. So she's patched up a little bit. The suit is definitely a little worse for wear. I think that's the energy that she's rolling into this is like beaten and battered, still working pretty okay, maybe a little scuffed up. That's all right. Let's go. Okay. Constance, what about you? I think Constance, not that she is positive that we're going to die, but at this point, (laughs) any time that she steps outside her studio, assumes it could be the last time. So I think she pulls uh, Kristen aside and actually brings Kristen into the fort for a little privacy. Um, (laughs) Step into my office. (laughs) Uh, Hey, Constance, what's going on? Hey, uh, I was hoping I could talk to you. I thought this was sort of like the, the big, like, rolling out scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to do that. I just, okay, I just wanted to take cool. a second. Okay, I'm just trying to keep track here. Yes. Be pumped up and ready, but also uh, tone it down a notch because we're just going to have a quick chat, but then pump it back up. You know, you got to be able to rev <laughs> it up and down. I'm sorry. It's just kind of part of the deal. Okay. All right. Um, I can do that. So I'm really sorry that I'm going to be throwing this at you, but know that I'm throwing it at you for two reasons. One is that I trust you and I believe that if anyone can accomplish what I'm about to ask, it's going to be you. And two, if there's anyone who can think of a million better ideas, it's also going to be you. So I'm going to tell you what I would like to see and then I will leave it to you to decide how to make that or something better happen. Okay? Yeah. Constance, there's a sphere that's slowly encompassing our town. So you don't need to baby me on this, okay? Like, what do you need? Yeah, nope. 
Fair. Okay. This studio is gone. I have come to accept that. And I, I you know. Yeah, we're I, in a blanket for it. I agree. Yes. <laughs> I hope that in the time that you've been with us, you've understood how important the studio was to me because it was from my boonie. But there's another reason why it really has been the linchpin of the Daylight Society and really our ability to do what we do and to save the people of this town. And not just the people, but to forge relationships with other beings. And that is the information and knowledge that my boonie left me. I think your particular experience with information and knowledge probably has shown you how important it is to have that. Of course. Well, the studio being decimated has really shown me that all of these books, all of this knowledge that my family and probably other families have contributed to, it needs a safer steward and a better home than I can give it. And that's true if I survive, but it's especially true if I don't. So, and she pulls out of her back pocket. It's just from a piece of the clay that she didn't use because she ended up making the bookends out of wood. She has molded a little key and she hands it to Kristen and says, this is symbolic, but I am essentially handing you the keys to the castle here. All of these books are now yours and they are also your responsibility. Oh, she takes the key and holds it in both of her hands and looks at you and says, Constance, I am happy to help you digitize this. I'm happy to help you preserve this. I'm happy to help share this information with the world. When you come back. I think Constance smiles and looks at Kristen and says, I look forward to that. But if I don't, the way you said it just now without me even giving you a hint shows me that I chose the right person for this because that is exactly what I intend to do or hope that you do. I want this information out there. I want it to be information that helps people make better, more informed choices. She looks at you and smiles and says, you've been hanging out with Leon too much. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? I'll take that. He grows on you. He does. Let's go get him. Okay. And then I think Constance literally pulls the blanket off the pillow fort. (laughs) I think everyone else is just staring, (laughs) like waiting (laughs) for the two of you to finish this conversation. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Let's ride. You all step out into the streets of Firmament. And JR, I think at the end of Constance's block, you see a group of about 10 people walking down the street. Ah, snip, snap, time to go, gang. They are closer now, and you can see that it is an eclectic but otherwise rather ordinary-looking group, except each one of them has a cyclopean band protruding from their face in place of where their eyes should be. They appear to be composed of the same sleek white plastic material as the Imagine Labs headsets. And as they pass by each home, one of the group breaks away and goes to knock on the door. The first couple houses, as you're watching them, no one answers, but before long, one of the doors swings open. You can't quite make out the interaction from where you are, but a few moments later, the occupant steps out. A similar stylish white bar affixed to their face. 
And as you witness this, you notice something else. The group doesn't speak or even really look at one another, but they move in perfect coordination. Cool. It reminds you of watching bees or ants. Their movements, a eusocial symphony of synchronicity and purpose. Or the consensus. Or the consensus. Mm -hmm. What do you do? Barf. Fan of your characters, per the conversation of JR and Pax, y'all have eight people with you, and there are four people presumably trapped inside the sphere. You need to protect your people. Yeah. Like, we got a bucket. Do we still Black have... Beauty? Yeah, do we still have Black Beauty? That won't fit everyone, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, that's not... Uh, ah, can that's we, not going to fit everyone. Can we cat bus it on Alvin? I was going to say, can we do a mix? Can we do the car and Alvin and the roof of the car? Uh, can... I mean, the roof of the car probably problematic. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we don't have to drive. Sure. They're walking. They're walking. So we just have to drive faster than walking speed. I can That's canonically true. hold at least four on my back. Yeah. If you want to load up into Black Beauty and on Alvin's giant coyote mm-hmm. form, I mm-hmm. think that'll probably fit everyone. Okay. Let's That's what we're going to do. Okay. So you and your allies either load into Black Beauty or hop onto Alvin's back and... What do you do? Head to the lab. To the lab! You all duck out of Constance's street and start moving towards Imagine Labs. As you do, these bands of people, all of them sporting what appear like Imagine Labs headsets, but they're too sunk in. Like, they're literally sunk into these people's faces. These knots of people grow thicker. I don't like this, Quinn. This is very uncool. Until I think you try to avoid one by going around a corner and there's another group up ahead of you and you try to turn again and you actually find yourself pretty much encircled by these headset-wearing Cyclopean people. Hmm. What do you do? So the three of us are going to have to run a blocking scheme for our eight friends. I make the universal... There isn't one. Hold on! (laughs) <laughs> I growl and wolf loudly and hope people get the idea as I pick up speed. Okay. <laughs> Alvin, you bound towards, I assume, the group that just gets you to the sphere fastest? Yeah, either to the sphere fastest or what looks like kind of the thinnest section of the encircling horde. Yeah, so I think down one of the streets there is like a group of, you know, let's say four of these uh, cyclopean creatures and you bound towards them. Are you just trying to bowl through? Yeah, pretty much. It's kind of because I've got, they're still just normal person size, right? Yeah, they look entirely normal, save for this sleek white band over their eyes. Yeah, so I try to get to kind of the center of them and while bounding up, get low and just use my large head to just kind of try to flip them aside. Give me a no limits. That is a 10 plus 3, 13. Ooh, very nice. Okay. You have no limits advanced. What is your yes, added I benefit? Do. I think just the good old standby, your show of force inspires and intimidates. No, actually, hold on. We'll flip. We got a lot of people who have to do a lot of stuff themselves. You and your allies take plus one forward. Ooh. Hey. Okay. Very sexy. Can't really intimidate VR zombies. So I'm going to do plus one forward for everybody. Tell them the Wi-Fi's out. <laughs> What does this look like, Alvin? I think there's a moment maybe of almost comic relief where there's the terror of being encircled as we are 
noticed and they start enclosing and then bounding like over the car is this coyote form of Alvin Hughes who plows into the nearest couple of zombies. And just like with a flip of the head, three of them just go like ragdoll comic, rah, flying away. So you throw several of these cyclopean individuals. They scatter like bowling pins and you see several of them like go rolling and land awkwardly and like limbs out of place. And like one of them strikes a, a building. And as you are clearing this space, you see them stand back up. Their limbs pop back into place and you can see those Ooh. wounds close over. <laughs> the blood is there, but any other sign that you hurt them is gone. I think this display of magical revivification actually kind of boils Alvin's blood. Ooh. His eyes have turned yellow again. Oh, okay. Ooh. Quinn, does it seem like, are they charging us and trying to put the whammy on us? Or are they just like... The group that Alvin just bowled through, they are are riding themselves. And they look to be preparing to sort of split, like to go after Alvin to sort of close in on, on you and your vehicle. Okay, very sexy. Love that for us. Immortal zombies. That's great. Don't let him touch your face. Don't let him touch your face. And it appears that we cannot seem to wound them. I mean, woof, woof, woof. What happens if I drive slowly through them and just like lay on the horn? Like, excuse me, coming through. <laughs> beep, beep. I'm hoping I can gently push them out of the way with the car. Yeah, uh, you you drive sort of at a very slow pace towards them, and yeah. these these four sort of, well, two of them are moving towards Alvin. The other two very calmly walk up to your vehicle and try to open the doors. Are they locked? Of course they're locked. You drive with the doors locked all the time. A lot of cars will do that for That's you. That's true. My, my car That's does that true. if I go over 15 miles an hour, and we definitely at one point went perhaps slightly over yes the doors are locked quinn don't make me okay, fucking yeah. roll for the doors being locked no no i won't i mean <laughs> there's no reason to make you roll for locking the doors if you okay. say they're locked that's yes. fine yeah they come up and try to open the doors cool 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 and they can't am i making progress through this crowd yeah i mean they're walking with you basically as they're trying to open these doors but <laughs> hey excuse okay. me i'm here to tell you about your extended warranty <laughs> And then one of them shatters the passenger window. What? Ooh. With what? Yeah, I figured. Uh, with their arm. Their hand. Yeah, they punch through it. Uh, and you can see them bleeding profusely, and then they kind of just stop. And they lean in and grab, uh, hmm, let's pick a random NPC that you have with you. I hate this, Gwen. Shoot him! They reach in and grab Jasper. Not on my watch. Oh, no, my Not on my watch. What do you do? I shoot them. Give me a roll to... <laughs> Act under pressure. Okay. Could I convince you to let me use magic if I tell you it's my magic gun? No. Okay. <laughs> Don't forget you have plus one. You oh, do have do. a plus one forward from Alvin. Okay. It's a 10. Okay. On a 10 plus, Move. you achieve what you set hey. out to do. Uh, how do you protect Jasper? Oh, yeah. I shoot aiming for like right where the headset meets the face. I'm shooting like where the eyes would sort of be. Are you using your magic gun or your regular gun? This is my regular gun. I'm just using the regular gun. You shoot and the bullet flies forward and just before impact, it explodes in oh, God, a right. cloud of glitter. But did they let go of Whoa. Jasper? I don't think they let go of Jasper, but I think what happens is I assume you accelerate at the same time. Oh, yes. I'm flooring it. Let's, <laughs> this is pelt to the metal, baby. <laughs> yeah. So what happens is like they basically just fall away. 
Yep. And Black Beauty sails away. I think the other one, the other of, of Vol's believers, was about ready to break another window, but you punch it and you sail through. Yeah. And uh, very quickly, you have rendezvoused with Alvin, his eyes a baleful yellow. Kick and bite on the two that came to me. Kick and bite. Oh, I said, you thought you said chicken bite, and I was like- I thought you said chicken bite, chicken too. Bite. Like, this is not happening? a time for a meal. Yum, yum, yum. Well, you say that now. Okay, you. you're going to go fight him? I want to, yeah, Alvin's going to fight okay. the two. I ever hope everyone's hanging on. Give me a roll to kick some yep. ass. That is four plus three plus another one, because I also get a plus one forward, is an eight. On a seven to nine, you trade harm as established. Alvin, you leap forward to bite one of these two, and as your teeth close around her, you feel them disintegrate. Ah, you feel your teeth just dissolve. My nightmare. What? And you, you clamp down, and I think you shake this body back and forth, and you throw this person, but your teeth are just demolished. What? Damn. Yep. This is exactly my nightmare. Narratively, I think they will regenerate given your your sort of fast healing capabilities. But mm-hmm. yeah, as you bite down, your teeth are just demolished. Quinn, this is okay. fucked up. And you trade harm as established. Just as you toss the first, the second Cyclops, the second of Vol's believers, steps up to you, grabs hold of your wolf face, and says loudly and clearly, I want you to believe in a better world. Alvin, I need you to roll. I don't understand human. So (laughs) that's bullshit. Um, (laughs) Alvin, I want you to roll the stat that you feel most typifies your being. It's tough or weird, really. You're a big beefy boy. I think you've always been a big big beefy beefy boy. boy. So I think probably tough. It's become more and more weird, but I think at the core, he's always been the tough, tough plus tough. That is a seven. Okay. Alvin, for a moment, this scene fades away. And instead, you see your family's farm. That's nice. You and Sarah and your father and Leon are all sitting around the table. I think we see a scene of you all enjoying a nice meal. Your everyday family dinner. There's laughter and joy. But I think the thing that strikes you most is that there is contentment. That hunger is gone. That empty peace. You know it's not real. You recognize this after a moment. And the image fades away and you return to seeing one of Vol's believers standing in front of you. But you can't shake that feeling. There's a falsehood to it. It's drawing on a memory of of contentment from the past, but I don't think my father has ever been content or satiated. Mm -hmm. And I think this person in front of you looks confused when this doesn't work. I mean, I'd fling them away again. Yeah, you know, I don't think there's any need to make you roll for this. You toss this person in front of you, and they go rolling off and like slam into a building and then quickly right themselves. We need to make a path and we got to keep going, I think in my head. Maybe Dorian's on my back also. (laughs) I mean, I think Dorian (laughs) would be on your back because I don't think he would ride with Uh JR. Yeah. Probably not. So uh, I think he just turns to everyone and says, we need to go. That's what I was saying. (laughs) 
we really got to fix this. I can't translate for you all the time. Like this is this is not this is not a viable communication. It's scheme. working well. Oh, can, tell Constance to shift a little bit. It's on my on my shoulder. Little, little bit. Constance, would you please yep, yep. shift a little bit to your right? You are on Alvin's shoulder blade. Oh yes, yes, yeah. I kind of felt that. I was thinking about it. Oh, uh, can you also tell Alvin that I think he's got a mole here. He should get checked out. JR, we need what you to say, go. What'd you say? What'd you say? Dorian, what'd you say? You have a mole on your back. I'm kidding. I have ears. <laughs> <laughs> I think Kristen shouts over to Black Beauty like, it's it's time to go. We gotta go. Let's go. Yup. Yep, let's go. And you all gun it. I think as you escape from this scene, the other groups converging upon you, you realize that ahead of you, there really aren't that many. In fact, there really aren't any at all. They appear to be moving outward in a net. Uh, we're not Catching the everyone in their wake. Yeah. But that means that your path to the sphere, to the paracosm, is clear. You sail through the empty streets of Firmament, a hollow ghost town of the city that you have known, until you reach the sphere. The sheer wall in front of you looms at least 500 feet tall before its view is swallowed up by the gentle slope of its inward curvature. You can't see the apex from this angle, but you'd guess it must be a couple miles high at this point. Maybe more. The surface, JR, it looks exactly like one of the bubbles from the old kids' toys. Glossy, gossamer, bright rainbow patterns swirling across its surface. It's semi-transparent between the bursts of color, but even up close, it's difficult to actually see through the surface. It's blurry, like looking through layers of cellophane, but more than that, it's shifting, changing in ways that seem to defy reality. Just like the scene you saw when the Strigoi, the Consensus, the Earth Spider, and Prairie met their demise. We see the three of you and your allies pull up to the sphere. And very quickly, we pan out to see the entirety of Firmament. This otherworldly circle pushing out through the town. And beyond it, a massive ring of people working methodically through the city. Oh, yikes. <laughs>